It's Theopop, episode four. The one where we get used to different. Go ahead. Make my day. God have mercy on your soul. Welcome to Theopop. He's David Gaddy. And he's Jeremiah Orr. And together we're exploring all things pop culture with a spiritual mindset. Except for today's episode. You brought up a very interesting point <laughs> that this really isn't Theopop. I mean, it's not necessarily pop, pop culture, culture, the subject we're cover- covering. But, I mean, I have to say this from the onset. If okay, so if you're a fan of pop culture, if you're a fan of this uh, this podcast, and you haven't seen the show we're about to talk about, you need to see it, and that's the reason I think it's essential mm-hmm. that we put this episode out there. But uh, I don't want to get any hundred percent. Yeah, th- we, we this 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 series deserves a Theo pop, right? So I guess the technical definition of pop culture would be popular culture right and it's and this isn't all that popular but right hopefully it will be exactly (laughs) and you know without getting too much further i'll explain later whatever we start analyzing it but uh uh there's some important aspects to this so david how you doing man i'm doing great man how is your journey to find yourself oh my yeah my my dream quest so so what what happened that brought this upon you? So if you haven't noticed, we haven't been on the air for a couple of weeks. And uh, th- that's totally 100% David's fault, not mine at all. Um. Well, and, and that's, I'll, I'll take that because most of them are going to blame you. That's fine. That's fine. But this one so, is on me. I, I went on a vision quest. Uh, Yes, more or less. Um, so we've been working nonstop at my job to get a, a a major project done by the end of the year. And it has been like no vacations, nothing like it's just been uh, full steam ahead. Right. So we got past the first of the year and started working out some bugs. And I'm like, guys, I'm gone. And so I decided to go on an overlanding trip. So if you're not familiar with overlanding means. Yes. What is that, David? Enlighten us. What is overlanding? (laughs) Overlanding is whenever you take usually an all-terrain vehicle of some sort and you you head out and uh, you drive on the unbeaten paths out there, the dirt roads, things like that. And you basically just sleep wherever you can. Yeah, you stop, you sleep in your vehicle or whatever, um, or, you know, tents, that sort of sure. thing. It's kind of like being homeless for a short period of time. 
So you packed up your Isuzu Trooper, right? <laughs> My Jeep. Thank you oh, very much. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you're you're going right. to offend Ruby. You're a, you're a Jeep guy. Yes. <laughs> so, so you packed up your Jeep. Yes. And, and packed, you went out into the wild. And I built a little bit a bed in the yes. back of her. So <laughs> that, was, that was pretty ingenious, by the way. I saw the pics of that. That was... I have to say, that looked pretty cozy and comfy. <laughs> yeah, so like, uh, put uh, used the plywood to to build a little bed that basically went from the backs of the seats to the the end of the back of the jeep, and uh, underneath the bed is where I had all my gear and uh, a stove and lanterns and all that stuff. Right. And uh, went to the hill country of Texas. So you guys who aren't Texas <laughs> listeners. Uh, Texas is a big state <laughs> and um, I was going to go to Big Bend which is about 10 hours from here right? which by the way it's about 10 hours to Nashville so, right? <laughs> so that kind of shows you how big the state big is big Texas is right. So, uh, but I went about halfway there I went to uh, the hill country which is dead center like if you were to just draw drop a pin Right smack in the middlemost part of Texas. That's where that's where I was at. And uh, there's a 150 mile uh, trail over county roads and whatnot that just makes a big circle in that area. And that's what I did. So slept <laughs> in the back of the jeep one night. I slept on the Colorado River, like right on the river's edge. It was about 70 degrees out. Slept right by the fire under the open sky, and it was like wow. stars. Like it was perfect. Like it, you could hear that the the good old Texas song, "The Stars at Night Are Big, big and bright. bright, Deep in, deep the, in heart the Heart of Texas." Texas. Okay, so that was that was me <laughs> on the first night. Like a most amazing night. It was awesome. Wow. Um, made some burritos out of the back. You know, yeah, <laughs> it was good. And then it rained on me a little bit. Uh, but that wasn't a bad thing because I got to stretch Ruby's legs a little bit and sure. we played in the mud a lot and how did, Ruby's how did the she Jeep. survive that? Did she do good? Oh, she did great. Like, um, there were a couple moments where I nearly got stuck and if I was in any other vehicle, I probably would have, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, because I don't know if you know this, but a lot of these roads in, in the central part of Texas are, are the dirt roads are like red clay like this really packed red clay and when that gets wet it's like ice right i was sliding all over the place and realized really really soon i needed to put it in four-wheel drive just to get down the roads sure and uh did a couple of river crossings you know that was nice that was fun uh james river was the biggest one that i crossed and so uh, how far deep did you get did you cover your wheels uh, pretty close. Of course, that thing's got 36 inch wheels on it or tires. So, right. uh, so that put me like right at, right at the door. Like the water got up to about the door, uh, which there's a lift kit too. So I was pretty high up. Sure. Yeah. But, but yeah, it was, it was deep enough. If you were in an Isuzu, you would not have made it. <laughs> Spoken like a true Jeep man. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so did you come back with any spiritual insights, any wisdoms to impart uh, oh, our listeners with? I don't know, but um, <laughs> you know, I like what's the John Muir quote? Um, 
into the woods I go to lose myself and find my soul. That's yes. that was more that was kind of what it was. And <laughs> it, it it was a lot of good time with God. Yeah. I got that's to, awesome. Got to spend a lot of good time with him. So it You was, know, when you get out there in the quiet, that's uh that's usually when God speaks the most, right? Yeah. And and so, he definitely blessed the trip. So can't That's complain. great, man. So sorry awesome. we were delinquent on our episodes. <laughs> But yeah, but it was good for you. I'm glad that I'm glad that you got to do that, man. I wish I would have been right with you. Maybe next time you can take me yeah. along. I'm pretty sure that Ruby can't fit a, a, a full bed in there, but you know, <laughs> we can figure out somehow to make it work. <laughs> yeah, I can just see you and I trying to sleep in the back of my Jeep. Give me the covers, David. <laughs> so what about you? What were you doing while I was on my vision quest? Oh, man, not much. We're slowly but surely opening back up uh, the church again, you know, um, now that the COVID has a, uh, um, a uh, oh, what's it called? Uh, the shot that you get. Oh, my goodness, I'm blanking on this. Oh, a vaccine? A vaccine, thank you, yes. <laughs> Vaccination. Now that, the, now that the COVID has a vaccine, uh, more and more of our, our members are getting vaccinated, and so we're opening back up slowly but surely, even though it's it's worse now than I think it ever has been. Um, yeah, the numbers are up, actually. Yeah, and it's it's kind of scary. So, uh, But we open back Wednesday nights, and I'm back with youth, and that's nice. And I've been doing a lot of planning for this next year, looking – forward to camp and a uh, mission trip, which I'm planning a mission trip to Savoy, Texas, to take my <laughs> students to Savoy and uh, do a backyard Bible club with the way and maybe uh, fix up some houses, which yeah. I haven't, I haven't really talked to you about yet, but it's happening. It's going to happen um, yeah. probably the first week <clears throat> of June. Sounds so, great. I'm, I'm yeah. down. So we'll have to do a, a special uh, either Theonauts or Theopop whenever we're down for that. But uh, anyways, it's it's been kind of like just blowing and going. Oh, I started two new classes. I'm taking Baptist Heritage, <laughs> which is really fun. Yeah, yeah you laugh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's not a so, slanted school at all. <laughs> no, not it's, at it's, all. It's so great. You, you understand. So yeah. a couple of things that are really cool about it is I am, I'm, I'm really learning about some missionary heritage and history mm -hmm. that I'd never <clears throat> known before. Um, the first American foreign missionary, uh, his name was um, Adoran, Ad, Adoran Judson. Mm. Um, and he was right around the time of the Revolutionary War and he went to Burma and, uh, and basically started the American Mission Board, which ended up becoming the, the well, we call it the International Mission Board now for the Southern Baptists, but it was really cool. And he was a—he wasn't even a Baptist; he was Congregational. Yeah. Um, and uh, he has an amazing conversion story. I'd love to do a history lesson on on that. Um, some point we have to do a Theonauts on that guy. <laughs> and then I'm in my Old Testament two class, and we're we're studying the uh, the writings and the prophets. Um, of the Tanakh, so we're cool. we're studying the yeah the Nevaim, <laughs> the Nevaim. Uh, the Nevaim and the Ketuvim, which is pretty fun. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm learning a lot, man. That professor for my Old Testament classes, one of the best professors I've ever had in my life. He's 
very laid back, but he just has a wealth of knowledge and he's not biased in any way, which is really nice. So he lays it out for you and then he he shows you modern, like most most secular Old Testament scholars are mm-hmm. deists at best. Most of them are atheists. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and so he lays out their arguments and then he shows you uh, the arguments for, you know, some of the traditional dating and authorship of the Old Testament. So it's been really fun to just glean off of him. But that's pretty much what I've been doing. Cool. I'm digging into my studies, which is really fun. Um, yeah, it's awesome. great. And there will be many, a plethora of theonauts to come from that. In fact, oh, I'm sure. one next week I'm looking forward to is talking about Daniel. So you want to tune into theonauts as well as Theopop if you're listening. <laughs> that's true. We're planning yeah. on doing that uh, next week. That's right. So uh, don't miss it. It's going to be fun. All right. <laughs> you ready to jump into this? Let's do it. All right. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> My son, they've run out of wine. Mother, my time has not yet come. If not now, when? Father. It has begun. What has? Miracles. Signs and wonders. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You have experienced a miracle, Mary. I saw him. It was incredible. Our Father. Our Father. Who art in heaven. Who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. The man has a following. He's a rogue who answers to no one. You asked me before if I knew his name. Now everyone knows his name. And I fear for his safety. Throw this down for a catch. Do you think that impossible things can happen? That overturn the laws of nature. That cannot be explained. Son of Alpheus. Yes. This is different. Get used to different. My whole life I have wondered if I would see this day. Follow me, Nicodemus, and you'll see more. God loves the world in this way. He gave his only son. I'm going to tell everyone. (laughs) I was counting on it. Anything is possible. Don't you see? Let's go. 
was one way. And now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. Yes, so we are covering The Chosen, season one. Yes, that's right. And so, man, uh, before, like I said, this is this isn't a typical episode of Theopop, but I think this is so important. And the reason I do is because here's my deal. I, you know, I don't know about you, but I've watched <clears throat> in my growing up in a Christian household uh, more than my fair share of quote unquote Christian media. Yes. Right. Same. Uh, movies, TV shows. I kind of actually not a lot of TV shows, but a ton of movies uh, from God's Not Dead to uh, you know <laughs> to the Left Behind series to all this other stuff, and uh, it's it's done poorly to say the least. Mm -hmm. Like the production quality's been terrible. The the acting is subpar. Always, <laughs> you can just <clears throat> expect those things out of a Christian movie. It it almost throws away all that stuff for the sake of the message that it's trying to portray in the in the film. Even even the Jesus movie, uh, which I thought was pretty good. And even, honestly, I mean, The Passion of the Christ, this is like... Yeah, pa right the, the Passion was exemplary for me. I, yeah. I loved The Passion of the Christ. I thought that was an amazing movie. But it, sure. But, but yeah, you're right. Like, even... Back when I was when I was growing up, <laughs> so yeah, it wasn't uh, <laughs> wasn't the same things. Like I right. was watching what's his name, uh, Max von Sydow <laughs> as the, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus, you know, yes. with his bright blue eyes, <laughs> right, right, and uh, and so yeah, like even. Even the, and those were major motion pictures, you know, back right. then. But and and you can argue actually that <laughs> if you look in the, if you look in film history, I mean, a lot of the the early major motion pictures were biblical based. Mm -hmm. Like you have the the Exodus, right? Um, even Ben Hur, which is a, a Christian movie, yeah. the Ten Commandments, all that stuff. And while those are brilliant epics, the greatest story ever told, right? Uh, <laughs> You know, in in past, like, in, in late, like, uh, you know, the past 20, 30 years or so, Christian movies are just junk, honestly. Well, like, that's because Hollywood quit producing them. All the money, the people with right. the money quit producing them. <laughs> right. And so they, we just end up getting these, these poorly made things. And then, so whenever The Chosen first, um, well, was talked about, I, I for one, just kind of like put it on the back burner. Yeah, even when you were, even when you were talking <laughs> about it and telling, say, saying how awesome it was, I was kind of because I'm like, well, it's Jerry B. Jenkins' son, you know. <laughs> yes, Dallas Jenkins was the Dallas, director and the creator. Right, and if you know his father, he's the Left Behind dude. And so right. for me, it was just like, ah, oh, this is just going to be another one of those cheesy things that I'm, I'm not going to get into because I can't stand the quality of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I watched it, and my mind was blown yes. by just just even the acting in this series, the, the directions, mm -hmm. the, the cues, like everything is, to me, flawless. And it's, <laughs> and it's also notable that they didn't have a big budget. 
No, at all. Like, it, it's proof that high quality is not necessarily tied, necessarily tied to a big budget. Yeah, in fact, this was crowdsourced, wasn't it? Yes, yes. The whole thing is, is crowdsourced. It was actually a very unique model um, in that the way it works is uh, it, it was distributed through an app that would stream to your TV, but it was basically a phone app. And right. uh, it was a free app, but you could donate inside of it. And basically the concept was your donation paid for other people to watch it. Right. So instead of buying it for yourself, you were basically buying it for other people to watch. To pass on. And, yeah. Right. And they would keep track of how many episodes you funded, like how many people got to watch it for free because of your dollar. Yeah, and uh, that was a pretty cool uh, way of doing it. I think that was that was really neat. Yeah, if it kind of puts the power back in the people, and you know, if if it's junk, then obviously it's not going to end up getting made. And the thing about this is, it it turned out not being junk. It turned out being incredible. Um, and you know, right now they're almost. I think they're are they almost done, or are they done with season two? They I know they've started they're filming close, it. They're close to being done. Right, and so I can't wait for season two to come out because it's like everything's starting. You know, yeah. the wheels have been turning in season one, and now, now Jesus is going to start the full on public ministry, which yeah. is pretty cool. So, the, but uh, the, the, go ahead. The concept is that it is it's called the chosen because it's told from the perspective, more or less, of those that he chooses. Right. So the um, his disciples. Um, those who are following him, uh, they're kind of the focus of the film. Like, uh, in fact, it's it's like the end of episode one before we even see Jesus. Right. And it's only for like a minute that we see him yes. at the end of episode one. And then one. he disappears again and doesn't show up until near the end of episode two. Right. Of course, you know, once it starts rolling, he becomes pretty central. But... It's really it builds uh, character development of Mary Magdalene, uh, right? Uh, Simon, who will become Peter, uh, and Andrew, and Matthew. Like it, it gives you these characters and and builds their story, which makes it rich actually because it makes Jesus human. Like it, it really shows a humanity to Jesus that I don't think we've seen in any other. Um, depiction right of, of him in most Jesus films um Jesus is presented rightly so but but still he's presented as lord he's presented as um so far above and beyond everybody yeah. else that he's almost unrelatable there seems to be an ethereal in in, in most other productions i've seen it's like <laughs> It's almost like he's stoic and ethereal. Yes. So, like, almost unapproachable in a lot of ways. Like, he's he's different. And 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 understandably, I mean, he is fully God. Yes. And so they, how do you, how do you portray the humanity of Jesus mm. in a in a fully, you know, he's fully God and fully human. And I think the writers of this series hit the nail on the head whenever they decided what we're going to do is we're going to focus on the humanity of the characters 
in the setting around Jesus, mm -hmm. right? So, I mean, like you said, the character character development is is just on another level with this series, um, and you know, and that's the reason it's the name the chosen. And I mean, you you get a <clears throat> you get a uh, an in depth look at what could be going on in the lives of these people like Nicodemus, for example, right. and his dealings in the, uh, you know, walking the line in as the Sanhedrin. a, in the Sanhedrin and dealing with, uh, Roman rulers, right. And yes. having to, yes. having to handle that, that political, uh, struggle there. Right. Or you get the feeling you, you gain understanding through Matthew's struggle as a traitor, right? Yes. Uh, and I mean, there's just so much character development. So I thought it'd be good, you know, and I know you have, you pull cl clips from actual characters that are really prominent in the se series, but it'd be good to talk about some of the characters and the development behind them. Yeah. Um, as we, as we look at this, it's, well, it's pretty neat. And this is, you know, what is there? Eight episodes, I think. In yes. One. So there's, right. it's, it's so rich and there's so much like I know. picking clips was ridiculously hard. I just basically had to say, okay, I'm just going to grab a few of these that have like catchphrases that we have come to love about right. the chosen. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of, it gives you a good understanding of how they fleshed out some of these stories that we know so well, because as Bible believers and we, we've heard these stories, we've read these scriptures but to see them brought into such uh, life. So the, season one basically covers um, the time from when Jesus heals Mary Magdalene to the woman at the well. Right. That's Which is the right after the woman at the well is the start of his main public ministry. So we're in Capernaum for most of this. Yes. Uh, in fact, for all of it, pretty much, right? Yes. Um, and I, I want to make a disclaimer before we begin. Uh, one of the arguments, um, actually, people in my family made against watching The Chosen <laughs> was that it's trying to rewrite the Bible. And uh, I, I want to I wanna just say that's not the goal at all with The Chosen. It's not trying to rewrite these stories. It's trying to put complexity is trying to put parameters around maybe what could have been happening so that you understand these characters a little bit better yes. right now now a lot of this is we would say apocryphal like it's it's added on so the idea <laughs> of simon struggling with his taxes yeah we don't know if that you know that that probably didn't happen you know yeah, or and his gambling habit like <laughs> his gambling habit or getting in a fight. You know, first time you meet Simon, he's fighting his brother-in-law, right? Yeah. Which yeah. is which is great. <laughs> and they're putting a bet on it. So, <laughs> uh, if, but you do understand that, I mean, they used, the, the cool thing about The Chosen is he must have done tons of research into uh, what was going on at the time. Mm -hmm. Well, they, uh, they relied on a lot of... Um, of, of a lot of resources so that I know that they had rabbis on set. They had priests on set. They had, um, Protestant teachers 
and theologians uh, come to the set. Like it was this broad range of right. of culminating of the culture and making sure they got everything right. And one of the things I want to say about this show is that it blows being a theonaut. It blows my mind. There, there is such deep theological things in this yeah. series. Like it's yeah. not the, the Mark Burnett uh, TV, you know, like <laughs> surface level Jesus. This has got like some deep theology in it. In fact, um, one of the characters that is, that is central to it is Mary Magdalene. And yeah. um, or Mary Magdala, however you want to say it. So she is at the beginning of this of the series. She is possessed, which is scriptural. It does tell us that that was uh, that that Jesus had cast out seven demons from her. Right. And so at the first of the of the series, she is uh, possessed. Episode one, it's all about her. <clears throat> and um, so Nicodemus is called in to try and exercise her These demons. Of course yeah. he fails miserably, but whenever he comes into the room, the things he starts saying, he starts mentioning words like watchers and, and, and things of this nature. And I was like, Whoa, Whoa, wait a minute. That's deep. That's, that's referencing extra biblical material from Jewish tradition. Right. About demons. Yeah. Like, like they did their homework so well. Like that's straight up Jewish demonology. <laughs> yes. I, and, and I was just like floored by this. And an, another thing that they will do in these episodes is even though they're focusing on a new Testament character, they will take whatever scripture that they're kind of telling in that week or that episode, and they'll go back to the old Testament Mm-hmm. for a reference that points to it and they'll yeah. start like the 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 prelude to the episode will be uh either Jacob at Jacob's wells or it or uh, it or uh, Moses fashioning the the snake was one of my favorite yes yes so yeah building the bronze serpent uh, right so each one of them has like like the first the first episode is even though it's it's extra biblical a little bit, it is Mary Magdalene as a as a child being taught by her father to recite a passage of Isaiah. Yeah, and that passage becomes key to her uh, healing slash conversion. Right. Um. So That's brilliant. So speaking of that, do you want to play? Want me to play the clip of that? Where sure. Okay. Let's- so- so let's this, do Mary Magdalene. So this is Mary Magdalene's uh, healing. So she's in, she is infected with these demons. Uh, she has injured people. She's been uh, violent. And, and she is, uh, at the very end of the episode, she leaves kind of a secret tavern that, uh, that she had been going to. She leaves, and Jesus happens to be in the tavern with her. And follows her out the door, and this this right. is the scene. Mary, Mary of Magdala. Ah, 
feeling on my face. Thus says the Lord who created you. And he who formed you. Fear not. For I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You. Okay, so not a whole lot of dialogue in that passage or nah. in that, that clip, but because uh, it's mostly crying. <laughs> right, of course. But what we do get is Jesus quoting Isaiah 43, which is the passage that she had memorized as a child. And every time these demons would come upon her, she would start quoting this passage to try and ward them off. And, uh, of course, her name is Mary, but... Throughout the episode, she's referred to as Lilith, which, mm-hmm. by the way, is another great example of them doing their homework. Right. Lilith is a is a demon uh, from from Jewish lore. In fact, Lilith was, according to Jewish lore, <laughs> um, Adam's first wife. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, and one of the warnings about Lilith is that she comes and snatches your babies at night if you know little Jewish babies at night if, you, if you're not uh, careful. And so, yeah, so this whole Lilith thing is this picture of demonology that Mary's plagued with. Yes. And, uh, of course, the scriptures tell us that she had seven demons right. inside of her. And I don't think the, the episode actually deals with that much detail about it. But, um, but Jesus calls her Mary, and it's the first time throughout the episode, besides when she was a child, that she's called this. Right. And it causes her to turn and say, how did you know my name? And that's when he quotes Isaiah 43, verse 1, where he says, But now thus saith the Lord, he who created you, he who formed you, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. (laughs) That's so good. (laughs) Absolutely. And because it has this double meaning to it, obviously Isaiah 43 is talking about the nation of Israel. In fact, um, he he left out the the proper names in that passage where he is saying Jacob and Israel. Right. Because he's talking to Mary. (laughs) But he's given her the exact same message, and it is a true message. Yeah. I've called you by name, and you are mine. I so one of the things I love about Mary's character development is that you know when we first meet mary of course she's in the red quarter she's plagued by demons uh there's hints that she might be a prostitute right this this whole idea um after this scene with mary we have mary's first shabbat yes um which is to me like in the top three scenes in the entire season Mm -hmm. because here's this here's this woman who's Never really, I mean, now that she's she's heard Jesus call her by name, the demons cast out, 
she's trying to change and says she has has been changed and she's going to worship on the Sabbath, right? And so she starts doing this stuff, but she has no clue what she's doing. And the people that come to her Shabbat are the broken. There's a blind man, mm. right? Yes. Uh, or a blind woman and an ugly stump of a man. <laughs> um, and uh, and they, they come in. They're sort of the outcasts. They fit they're in. They're the outcasts. They fit they're in the really nobodies, well. right? And, and, uh, and so they're there. And then you have the knock on the door, and Jesus shows up at her first <laughs> Shabbat and takes the seat uh, which is a beautiful yes, image of right there of Elijah. She takes he takes the seat of Elijah and uh, allows Mary to go through the the uh, um, the prayer at the beginning of the uh, of, of the Sabbath. And this, I mean, it's just such a a beautiful picture of Jesus being with the broken and the torn down by society and sitting right there with them. Yes. And he chooses instead and. Who else is in Capernaum at that time? Nicodemus has just come. Yes. And everybody is fawning in that first episode. Everybody's fawning over Nicodemus, yes. right? Yes. And like everybody wants to be at his Shabbat. <laughs> and he's like, you know, the head of the Pharisees. And, and he's already disenchanted a little bit. I mean, he's already thinking, you yeah, know, why totally are we making such a big deal of me? You know? Exactly. And, and yet Jesus chooses instead of going to Nicodemus's Shabbat, he goes to Mary's. And he doesn't even lead it. Like he's the rabbi no. at the table. Yeah. And she's and like, there and you need to lead it. this. And he's like, right. oh no, you're doing great. Which, mm-hmm. which I think is um, I part of why I love the show. Like, because especially now in the age I am and having gone through so much I have been through, I am so much more about relationship than religion. And this is a picture of Jesus building relationship and not being, not being about religion. He's the King of the universe and the the most, and the, the most um, exquisite rabbi who could have ever lived. Right. Yet he's humbling himself and letting this woman who has never led Shabbat take the lead. In fact, he's enjoying it. Yeah. That's a picture of love. That's a picture of empowerment, like what he does to us, because we are, we're all nothings. Right. (laughs) Like we're all nobodies and (laughs) he empowers us. Yeah. And, and says, no, I want to see you do this. Like, go, right. go, do it, do it. I want to see you do it. And that's what we get a picture of at, at Mary's Shabbat. So good. Beautiful. So I brought up Nicodemus. You want to talk a little bit about his character? Because he's he's one of the most interesting characters in this whole thing for me, too. Yes. So we don't get a lot in Scripture about Nicodemus, other than the fact no. that he comes and visits in John chapter 3 and gives us right. the most uh, the most popular verse of the Bible, pretty much. Um, but one of the things that the show does with Nicodemus is shows that he's con- a conflicted man. He's yeah. looking for answers. And when he starts hearing about miracles happening in and around Capernaum, he starts investigating. And he does it first and foremost 
out of appearance to try and answer questions that right. are being raised. But but he's got a personal he's got a personal conflict mm-hmm. with what they're doing as a nation and as a religious nation. Uh, he's got personal issues with how they're interpreting scripture and he is interested in this exorcism um, in a great way. So he goes and he visits Mary and he tries to exercise him, exercise her gets scared out of his wits because of this, (laughs) this spiritual voice that she, she throws back at him. Right. And, And he basically leaves so let me play a clip from when she when he sees the redeemed and healed Mary walking right. about freely. He goes up to visit her and basically say, "Did I heal you?" Yeah. What gives? <laughs> what, what, what's the deal? And so that's that's what this clip is right here. So. Can't even imagine. But you you are healed. That- that much is clear. I just want to understand how it happened. It makes two of us. How long after my visit did you feel the change? It wasn't anything you did. It was someone else. Some one else? He called me Mary. He said, I am his. I am redeemed. And it was so. Who did this? I don't know his name. And even if I did, I could not tell you. Why not? His time for men to know has not yet come. His time for men? <laughs> he performs miracles and seeks no credit? Well, what does he look like? Is he a member of Sanhedrin? Would you at least know him if you saw him again? <laughs> I don't know why I am sharing this with you. I, I don't understand it myself. But here is what I can tell you. I was one way. And now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. So yes, I will know him for the rest of my life. <laughs> wow. So like all all these clips are so powerful. Like <laughs> Right, I know. It just like chokes me up. Like <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. So he's asking, you know, how did this happen? And she's like, "It's not you. It was an, it was somebody else." And she didn't even know his name or anything at this point, right? And he's like, well, "Would you know him again if you saw him?" And she's like, "Yeah, because I was this way, and now I'm now I'm another way." And the difference was him. He was in between there. And yeah. of course I'll know him because I'll know him the rest of my life, which is such a beautiful testimony of a, of a convert, somebody who's changed, you know? Yes. And, 
Oh, so beautiful. And so, yeah, Nicodemus is completely confused by this, but as he starts examining Jesus, as he starts learning about this this uh, this guy who's teaching around Capernaum, um, his mind starts to change, and, and these searches. One of the most interesting things to me is his his character development whenever he's talking to his student uh, Shmuel, Shmuel, and Shmuel is, I mean, he's learned everything that Nicodemus has taught him, and Nicodemus has been very rigorous in his his approach to Pharisaical teaching and Orthodox Judaism, and uh, and Shmuel can't comprehend where Nicodemus is heading because Nicodemus is starting to believe that this guy is doing miracles mm-hmm. and that perhaps this guy has, you know, so after and that they've the report, been misled the whole time, like, right. They've been misunderstanding after, law. Yeah. After the report of Jesus's baptism, Shemael gives that report, right? He witnesses it. Yeah. And then Nicodemus has him turn to that passage in Isaiah about the voice out of a voice in the wilderness calling out, you know, mm-hmm. And uh, and Nicodemus is basically telling Shemuel, this this may be the Messiah, right? This is <laughs> this may be who we wait. And Shemuel's just berating him, going, "I can't believe that you believe this. Nobody has seen the face of God. Nobody can see the face of God and live, you know." And and all this. And, and Nicodemus is it's very interesting because there's this uh, uh, debate about comprehension of uh, of scripture. Uh, understanding what scripture's saying, what it's not saying. And one of the things he says that's really great to me is he, he says, you know, the Sadducees would have you believe that only the first five books of the, are uh, only the, the Torah is to be uh, believed as inspirational. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to them, you're out of bounds. Who's to say that we've been holding our scripture, you know, uh, in such a way that anybody else can't interpret it a different way and, and understand that this is what it, what it's saying. Yeah. And it's really great. So, yeah, his character is, is just fascinating in that, um, he is so conflicted and it's actually right. kind of sad because, um, at least through season one, um, where they take the Nicodemus character, is, you know, obviously we know he's not following Jesus and becoming a disciple through Scripture. So right. how the writers deal with that is have him basically succumb to the pressure of his wife and his position, and um, Jesus gives him the offer to follow me, but right. he he can't quite go there. Um, he would have to give up his position, his family. I mean, his wife was very... Mm-hmm adamant about getting back to Jerusalem and, you know, yes. not following this itinerant guy around. And and, uh, and so he, he makes that decision. But, you know, this all culminates with his meeting, the rooftop meeting at night yeah, uh, with I, Jesus. I've got a clip of that because that's a seminal part of, of basically the series. Um, right. And the New Testament, like, John chapter three. <laughs> sure. Uh, one of the things I, I want to mention, though, I really like ab- about the way um, uh, Dallas is handling the these. So, like, you're going to film John three. <laughs> 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 uh, 
it's like what do you do yeah because i mean everybody's memorized john three sixteen, right but exactly. there is new life in it like the way it's presented the filling conversations that happen yeah you know because there's all this filler in there and again they're not trying to rewrite the bible they're they're basically trying to draw you to the bible by giving you the in, an interesting fiction fictional story around right. what's happening in the Bible so that it would draw you to it. And he's very clear about that, by the way. Right. Um, but what I love about it is it makes it very human because they do fill in a lot of the gaps with very human things. Yeah. And uh, like, for example, Matthew or uh, John setting outside the window, eavesdropping on this, on the, <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> on this conversation, and he's got a he's got a pencil, and yeah. and a pad, and he's, and he's writing, writing down. down. What, <laughs> it's like genius. <laughs> I, I love that. So yeah. so anyway, here's here's a clip of the rooftop meeting. This is the secret nighttime meeting where Nicodemus finally gets audience with Jesus, and I'm going to start it where. Um, where he's already presented the whole concept of being born again, and it's confusing Nicodemus. Right. Like He's totally confused. Like, like he's like, uh, you know, God rest her soul, my mother's already dead. I can't enter her womb again. <laughs> so uh, here we're going to pick up with Jesus trying to explain to a Pharisee, someone who's raised with this rigid uh, law-keeping mindset, about relational, spiritual uh, kingdom. And right. so this is what we have right here. Do you hear this? What? Listen. What do you hear? The wind? How do you know it's the wind? Because I can feel it. And I hear its sound. Do you know where it comes from? No. Do you know where it's going? No. That's what it is to be born again of the Spirit. The Spirit may work in a way that is a mystery to you. And while you cannot see the Spirit, you can recognize His effect. Mind is consumed with thoughts of what a stir these words would cause among the teachers of the law. Yes. And I do not expect otherwise. I speak of what I know and have seen, and it has not been received by the religious leaders. It is hard to receive. So if I have told you of earthly things, and you do not believe, how can I tell you heavenly things? I believe your words. I just fear you may not have a chance to speak many more of them before you are silenced. I have come to do more than speak words, Nicodemus. More miracles? Yes. But even more than that, do you remember when the children of Israel complained against God and against Moses in the wilderness of Paran? Yes. They wanted to return to Egypt, and they cursed the manna that God sent them. And then? They were bitten by serpents, and they were dying. But? But God made a way for them to be healed. Moses lifted the bronze serpent in the desert, and people only needed to look at it. So will the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. 
Our people are not dying from snake bites. They're dying from taxation and oppression. I'm sorry to disappoint you. But I did not come to deliver the people from Rome. Then from what? From sin. From spiritual death. God loves the world in this way. That he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish. But have eternal life. So this has nothing to do with Rome. It's all about sin. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, Nicodemus. He sent him to save it through him. It's as simple as Moses' serpent on the pole. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Have you ever heard anything like this before? <laughs> So I ended the clip with John saying, uh, "Have you, or uh, I guess it's James telling yeah. John, have you ever heard anything like this before?" And John's like, Shh, <laughs> "Yes." He's like, he's writing it down. <laughs> but oh my goodness! One of the things I really love about this conversation is, for one, Jesus's love for Nicodemus is apparent all throughout the the conversation, and um, and 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 even though Nicodemus is hard headed and confused and uh, Jesus is being very patient with him. Right. And of course, what was their expectation that the Messiah would save them from Rome? And it's this, it's this thought that where Jesus uses as a springboard for, uh, the famous John three sixteen passage. Cause right. he says, I didn't come here to save people from Rome. And he was like, what? Like it's yes. mind blowing. Mind blowing because they expected the Messiah to be a political leader that that brought them out of Rome. But what's but what's interesting about that is that Nicodemus is basically not seeing the bigger picture, and this is the case with most everybody. Like right. we're not seeing the big picture. We we want to be delivered from our current problems and our current struggles. And things of this nature, but Jesus is like, look, don't look with such small eyes. I'm coming here to fix sin, right? <laughs> and uh, like, even after he tells him, you know, uh, the, the the John three sixteen passage, his response is, oh, so it's about sin. <laughs> <laughs> He's shocked. One of the things I love about this this scene is his. Uh, the way that Dallas uses the dialogue, and, and it is scriptural, uh, Jesus reminds Nicodemus of the snake in the wilderness, yes, right? Yes, yes. Uh, but the way that he he uses the dialogue is something that I've never really connected, that this is a full-on conversation mm -hmm. that he's having, and he's trying to patiently show Nicodemus the point of that, you know, of that passage. And so... You know, you just kind of go on and read it in, in John. And if I be lifted up, I will draw him into my, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just like that. But when you watch it in this show, it's like, oh, he's he's using that as an illustration to really show Nicodemus what he's talking about. This idea of salvation through looking up and seeing the snake, you know? Yeah. So I just, I think that that is such a beautiful way that Dallas did that the, or whoever wrote this scene, you know, yeah. Dallas or whatever, but man, it's just powerful. 
Yeah. One of my favorites. And, and one of the things that I think makes this whole series work, by the way, is Jonathan Rumi. I, kudos to that guy. Like, yeah, he's how good. much pressure to play Jesus. <laughs> Jesus like yeah. everyone who's, who's ever played the role, you know, on film of Jesus could probably attest to <laughs> right. the burden of that. But this guy is so approachable. His mannerisms, mm-hmm. his charisma, um, like he, he is such a, like you just see him on screen and you love him. Like, right. it, like he, he does such a good job of embodying the meekness, the humbleness, the, the camaraderie. He's funny. He's, mm-hmm. um, he, 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 even with just a look like he, in, he's endearing. Yeah. And and so part of what makes this scene so powerful is Jesus's uh mannerisms and how he's he's dealing with this and the fact that Dallas even made sure to use people who were lo- at least looked Jewish. <laughs> right. <laughs> so this is probably from a ethnic standpoint the most authentic uh, I know, seriously. And the thing is, is I mean, the guy's not really handsome. I mean, he's he's got a big old nose. <laughs> well, he is that. Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Whoa. We just lost half of our family right there from that. No, yes, but I, seriously. And uh, he's, you know, but you're right. The kindness in his eyes is what I would say. Uh, one of the episodes, I think it's a, the third episode, where it's basically, and it's totally extra biblical. It's the episode of Jesus basically camping outside of Capernaum, yeah. and he meets this girl, the little kids. this little, the little, and then he starts having this. What's I, what I love about that is his first students are these little kids that he's <laughs> teaching to recite, you know, the, the Shema. Yes. He's, he's, he's he teaches them the Lord's Prayer too. I the thought Lord's that was, Prayr <laughs> with thi- with with Thy Kingdom come, like like using the the good old King yeah. James right. English. Yeah, <laughs> so good. But I mean, I just I love that episode because it just endears you to Jesus in this series, you know. Well, and you it helps establish Jesus's character because up until this point, he hasn't had a lot of screen time. So right. episode three is his episode. It's him and the children. There's really right. nobody else in the show. Like it's yeah. just him with a bunch of children. Yep. And I, that's brilliant. That's genius because it gives you, because um, I think the episode is called Suffer the Children to Come or something like that. Yeah. It's similar to, you know, the passage of scripture or Jesus right. Loves the Little Children. Is the Jesus name, Loves the Little Children. the name that's of the right. episode. And, and it's basically just... Um, this picture of who he is. He's doing a little carpentry work and he's, right. getting, he's getting the kids to help him. And, uh, <laughs> so such a great episode. But, so man, we are already over an hour, but we have two more. I really want to hit. Oh, there's the so char- much to ca- cover. Ah. I know the character of Simon. Yes. Uh, is just incredible to me. Yes. So the, the parameters that they put around him, mm-hmm. Uh, and they really focus like, focus on his being a fisherman, and they they do their homework with 
the types of people the fishermen are. Yes. Do you remember the first episode? One of the uh, one of the rabbis is talking to Nicodemus, and he's like, "You know those fishermen types? They're you know, <laughs> yeah. they cuss all the time, and they're you know, they're dirty, and and they don't pay attention, and most of them." don't respect the Sabbath to begin with. So how are we yeah. going to get them They're to trying stop to work on the Sabbath. That was, that was on one the of the Sabbath. big things that, uh, right. yeah, they can't be fishing on the Sabbath. Yeah. And so in, in, into this characterization steps, Simon, who is pretty much all of that, you know, he's this bouty character who, you know, uh, is betting on things and yeah, he's, drinking in the taverns. And, he's a brawler. He's that's right. Yeah, he's it, he's he's a typical man's man. He's he's like, uh, and from what we get in scripture, it's a, it's a great personification of him. Yeah, and he's 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 really outspoken. He's the first one to say something. Yes, um, and like <laughs> one of the best scenes is whatever Jesus calls uh, Matthew, and and Simon's like. Him? No, 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 you don't understand. Yeah. Jesus, no. I got that clip, by him. the way. Oh, do you? Yeah. So uh, we need to talk about Matthew, too. But Simon, to me, where he breaks when Jesus calls him to be a fisher of men. Yes. Is one of the most beautiful pictures of a guy who's humbled. Mm-hmm. Right? He's he's done everything he can to uh, to provide for his family, and he's not providing for him. He's squandered away opportunities. He's yep. messed up. He's a sinner. And at this point, he's every, lied, cheat, and, st- and stole. Right, and everybody knows it. And you know, here he is at wit's end, and he's fished all night and caught nothing on a desperate plea to pay his taxes before they take everything away from him. Yes, and his brother, and uh, and that's where Jesus meets him, which is such perfect picture of of Jesus meeting us. Yeah. So the clip I have of this is where um, where the basically the boat has come in for the night right. and mm-hmm. they haven't caught anything and they're just super depressed. Um, both him and the sons of Zebedee and Zebedee himself, they've all been trying to to help Simon because they know if he doesn't if he doesn't make this payment, they're going to lose everything. Right. And uh, Jesus is on the shore with uh mary and a couple of others and um and so as this scene begins we we get uh uh, jesus uh basically telling simon to try it again you know cast the net on the on the other side of the boat and so here we go put that down for a catch a little farther out i don't have a quarrel with you teacher We've been doing this all night. Nothing. All right. That's your word. Take that gun! No! Ah! 
My brother and the baptizer. <laughs> you are the Lamb of God, yes? I am. Depart from me. I am a sinful man. You don't know who I am, the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. We, we've waited for you for so long, we believe. But my faith, how sorry. Lift up your head, fisherman. <laughs> what do you want from me? Anything you ask, I will do. Follow me. So, um, the scene, although from my audio clip is mostly music and struggling, trying to get the fish into the, <laughs> right. into the boat. Sorry. You didn't get all the visuals there. Watch one the of show. The, one, <laughs> of the, one of the visuals that of course we can't capture because of this, this is a podcast. One of the visuals, my absolute favorite is once they cast out, Peter looks at Jesus. Like I told you so <laughs> and Jesus Jesus gives this gives this sarcastic look back. That's one of the best. Yeah, he I just kind of mimics his own look. He's like, "Oh yeah, really?" And, then, <laughs> and that's whenever the fish fill the net. <laughs> right. It's such a great, great, great image. And of course, then and, they start shouting, and you see Zebedee and his sons running from right. their boat, like, "What in the world?" Yeah. <laughs> And they had to, of course, struggle and fight to get all these fish in, and the fish fill the entire boat. Uh, mm. Which, by the way, if you if you see any of the behind the scenes of this show, 
this scene was a miracle in and of itself, like filming it and getting it on, right. on the screen. There was actually not a single fish in the scene. Yeah. Like it was green balloons and <laughs> CGI and they didn't have enough CGI uh, people. They had one guy basically <laughs> doing right. the CGI and it all looked very cheesy and he played around and played around and played around and finally hit a, a hit a tool that allowed him to make it look really authentic. And everybody was just like blown away, like at the last minute. Yeah. Um, but they were like filming it. They felt like fools, but they're like a bunch of green balloons that they're trying. <laughs> right. But um, I had to let it play to the end because of uh, the words. Simon's confession. Yeah. It's just so beautiful. Heart wrenching and so good because he's like, he has poo pooed Andrew and mm -hmm. Andrew kept saying, no, I've seen the Messiah. <laughs> right. I know it's Jesus. The, the Messiah is Jesus, you know, and it, it's such a, it's a, such a just inspirational thing, especially when, when uh, Simon hits his knees and he says, get, get away from me. I, I'm, I'm a, you don't know who I am. I am totally unworthy of you. And Jesus, Jesus just fully restores him. Yes. Uh, which is such a beautiful thing, you know. And of course, and then, I'll do anything. Just tell me what right. to do. And he simply says, follow me. Follow me. Yep. <laughs> so cool. And, you know, and Peter does that. And, and we see his ups and downs already uh, as a follower, you know, uh, opening his mouth and, and being, an, being an idiot in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. trying to direct public appearance like he's trying to be jesus's pr rep yeah and his protector uh, at some point his bodyguard yeah, his, his bodyguard <laughs> like he thinks he's he thinks he's jesus's bodyguard like he's constantly like uh we need, right. we need to, to set up some sentries up here and make sure that nobody yeah. comes and gets him you know yeah <laughs> and uh but so it's it's so cool to see and then jesus totally like doing the opposite of what peter would expect over and over and over again yeah. and peter just blown away and one of these Another one to segue into that is he, uh, Jesus's call for uh, for Matthew, which yes. is the opposite thing Peter would have ever wanted him to oh, do. Yeah. Well, so before we get to that, though, okay, we I, I got to talk about my favorite episode that I didn't get a oh, clip yeah. for, uh, but the wedding at Cana. Yes, the wedding. At, oh my goodness, the wedding at Cana is like my favorite episode of the show. Um, for various reasons, but because of the wine, right? Well, that, that's a big part of it, and the dancing. <laughs> and the dancing. <laughs> <laughs> so you go learn your Baptist heritage. <laughs> yeah. No, never mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, no, no, but but one of the things that I loved about this was the traditionalism of that wedding. Like they they showed a Jewish wedding yes. and what it would have looked like. Mm -hmm. From beginning to end, I mean, so good, perfectly done. And 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 one of the things I love about it is uh, several things that makes Jesus so human in the um, his human side come through, and his love for his mom, his his uh, making fun of Andrew because he can't dance. You know, I mean, just like these little bitty nuanced things that you do with friends. So right. like if you're close friends with people and you have these little jokes in, in, in these, these inside, you know, um, uh, in these inside jokes that a lot of people wouldn't get. And it's like, Jesus has this with his, 
disciples already. He's 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 throwing out this uh, um, these jokes about how he, how Andrew's like a lame donkey trying to dance. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and and then we have uh, of course the fact that Jesus, as presented in the show, was not prepared to let the world know yet that right. he was the Messiah publicly. He had told his disciples, the ones that he called the chosen ones, but he hasn't actually said it to the world yet. And he knew that if he did what his mom asked him to do at this wedding, it was game on. You're right. And it was almost like he moved the timetable up for her. Yeah. Like that's kind of how they portrayed it. Like she, she didn't want her friend to be embarrassed and, uh, and she basically just assumed that he would do it. <laughs> like, cause she, she, she doesn't even get a yes from him. She tells him, Hey, they need wine. And then she turns around and says, y'all do what he says. <laughs> right. So there's the, the, the symbolism of Jesus's first miracle being turning water into wine at a wedding. Mm-hmm is huge to begin with but the way that they whether they did it with the barrels and the and even uh, with one of the wine um one of the wine uh, makers um being um oh who is it thomas uh, thomas yes doubting thomas <laughs> and you have this image of the characterization of thomas yes. who's completely doubting the entire time <laughs> Up until the and Jesus kind of says, "Like, yeah, it's gonna be like this, isn't it?" Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you're gonna doubt that. Okay, I kind of know you're yeah. gonna be this way. It's fine. Right. It's so great. I yeah, love it. Yeah the 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 whole thing is so good. And again, this is one of the episodes that drives home to me that this show is something special. Right. Um. In that from a filmmaker standpoint, watching it from a, like a, a, a film student standpoint, there's layers of meaning in it. Yes. There's metaphor in it. There's, there's all this stuff happening. So for example, when Jesus is actually turning the water into wine, it's in these stone jugs. Right. And, um, while he's doing this, one of the disciples is out there in the <coughs> East having a conversation about stone masons and right. why you use stone for these water containers. Like he's, <laughs> it's so good. And it's all about how, uh, yes, because, you know, the stone won't crack. And the difference between a, uh, a stonemason is that once you start cutting that stone, there's no going back. Yeah. It, once you cut it, it starts to become what it is. It transforms. And he's doing this whole concept of transforming and how there's no going back. And here's Jesus transforming water into wine in in a public place where there'll be no going back. Right. It's so good. So deep. So well put together. Um, Wow. But anyway, you mentioned Matthew. Yes. Matthew's probably my favorite character besides Jesus in the entire series. Mm. And the reason is, is this guy. So it's, 
Dallas did a really interesting take on Matthew, the tax collector, yes. and made him um, either autistic or have some form of Asperger's. Yeah. Um, to where Which is so on Matthew, the autism spectrum. Yeah. Right, exactly. And so um, Matthew is an outcast. One of the one of the best images where you get this is the that Shabbat night where Mary has her first Shabbat, right? Yes. You get these three different aspects of different Shabbats. You have Mary's Shabbat, uh, and then you have Nicodemus's Shabbat, mm -hmm. and then you have Matthew, or yeah, Matthew's Shabbat. And Matthew, go ahead. I was going to say, Matthew's eating with his dog. Yes, so so Matthew chooses to, he, he decides, okay, this is it. I'm going to go to my parents mm -hmm. and go to Shabbat. Uh, and so he gets close to there and he's about to knock on the door and he's even brought a dish and he's about to knock on it and he he freezes and he's so outcast and so alone that he decides he, he cowers out and he decides to go away and he sits down and he has the Shabbat alone with his dog right which in which, and of itself is a great picture yeah because Dogs are unclean. Yeah, they're not. They're not respected. They're not. They're not. They're outcasts amongst yeah. the Jews too. Right. So he is. He's he's gathering with the symbol that he has become. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, it's such a a great picture of being an outcast and being not accepted. Right, uh, and he's he's a rich man uh, because he's a tax collector, mm -hmm. and he's he's I mean, looked down on by everybody, spit upon when he's trying to walk to his booth yeah. uh, alone, uh, and he has this very interesting relationship with his uh, um, Roman guard, yes, who's who's supposed to be protecting him, and this guy's like, you know, you haven't made. Uh, as far as the Jews go, because, you know, you're rich and you're taken care of, whereas everybody else isn't. But, yeah, he tries to go home and have a relationship with mom, and they kick him out of the house yeah, because he's such a, he's you a know, they, he's a traitor, right? And, well, even, you know, he has a relationship with Simon because he's he's the tax collector, and Simon is owes back taxes. Right. And so, obviously— they're opposed to one another already. Yeah. They've had a bad history together. Yeah. Uh, so even after Simon becomes a follower of Jesus, he still has a bad view of Matthew. Right. And, you know, the, the thing is, is so Matthew gets a glimpse whenever Jesus heals the, uh, no, whenever Jesus does the catch, right? Yes, he sees that. For, for Peter, he sees that and he can't explain it. Mm -hmm. Like, for him, and that, that's where his Asperger's stuff kicks yeah. in, everything is rational and mathematic. Obsessive, scientific. compulsive. Yeah. Exactly. And so he sees Jesus step in and change all that. He watches the miracle with a fish, and then he watches the miracle with the uh, uh, with a lame man. The paralytic, yep. The paralytic. And he walks away going, "There, this guy, this is different. Mm -hmm. This, it." And he he states over and over again, it's impossible. This is impossible. This, <laughs> yes. this is impossible. Yes. This does not compute. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it all culminates with one minute 
clip at the end of one of the episodes where Jesus finally calls Matthew yes. and seeing what Matthew does is just absolutely cool. And seeing Peter's reaction, by the way, to Jesus calling Matthew, that's where we get the famous line, get used to different, yeah. right? Which is so good. So All right. let's listen to it. Yeah. Matthew. Matthew, son of Alphaeus. Yes. Follow me. Me? <laughs> yes, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? You want me to join you? Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy has done? Do you even know him? Yes. Listen, I said to... What are you doing? Where do you think you're going, guys? Let me go. Have you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're gonna throw it all away. Yes. I don't get it. You didn't get it when I chose you either. But this is different. I'm not a tax collector. Get used to different. I'm glad we passed by your booth today, Matthew. Yes. Shall we? We have a celebration to prepare for. You will regret this, Matthew. What's the tablet for? I grabbed it without thinking. You can put it back. No, no, keep it. You may yet find use for it. Where are we going? Dinner party. I'm not welcome at dinner parties. Well, that's not going to be a problem tonight. You're the host. <laughs> Jesus that's already had to be a problem tonight. You're the host. Yeah, Jesus already had the plan, <laughs> did he? <laughs> yeah, he did this so good. <laughs> but oh, and the, the 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 clip where the part where he says, um, uh, "We're uh, Peter Simon looks looks at him and says, why are you bringing the tablet?'" He was like, right. well, I just grabbed it out of habit. You know, just should I go put it back? And Jesus is like, uh, no, you may find use yeah, for it. You may find use for that, <laughs> which is so good. I mean, just these little nuanced things. Yes. Brilliant. And I love how, you know, in the end of this clip, you have this, this, it is every single one of these characters, whenever they meet Jesus, it's a total change. Mm -hmm. So for, for Matthew, he goes from eating Shabbat with a dog to planning a party. Yes. Right? With with guests for the <laughs> first time. And it's it's just so neat to see that shift. I mean, the characterization, again, I can't just I can't say enough of how well mm -hmm. done it was was. So oh, and, and just like <clears throat> even some of the little statements like Simon go, whoa, 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 do you even know what you're doing, Jesus? Do you know this right. guy? 
Yeah. <laughs> Do you know who he is? Like, don't you yeah. know? And Jesus is like, yes, I know him. <laughs> yeah, I know him. Oh, man, so good. Yeah. So good. And I, I just think it's great how Jesus does this anyway. Like, he surprises everybody all the time. Like, he's constantly doing the unexpected which is right. perfect why kind of the catchphrase of the show is get used to different. Right. Uh, which is the show itself. Like it is a different telling of the Jesus story than we've ever yeah. seen. And the whole thing. And, and so I really, I really love that whole, uh, the whole concept, you know, he was like, uh, <clears throat> you know, you didn't get it whenever I called you. And he was like, yeah, but this is different. <laughs> <laughs> well, get used to different. Right. <laughs> so beautiful, man. So Ugh. I figured we would end with the end of the of the season one, which is yeah. the it culminates at the woman at the well story. Uh, right. And so we're in John <clears throat> chapter four <laughs> and uh, we get Jesus being left alone at the well with with the, the Samaritan woman who's an outcast. And of course, if you are a theonaut, you know the story. You've read this. Right, you've read this absolutely. passage before, but it's so awesome hearing it acted out and in such a loving way as what as what it is. Sure. And and again, them filling in the gaps in the conversation a little bit, um, because you know he tells her that yeah you, you've you you're not married to the man that you're living with you've been married five times but we don't see her react immediately to this she's like oh you're a prophet you're coming to condemn me and right you know that's one good thing about coming here alone is i don't have to be condemned exactly and so you get more of a conversation and you get all this until he starts naming the people that she yeah. was married to and then it starts to to come out so I love I love uh, the uh, the introduction of this episode where she is having a conversation with the man that she's living with mm -hmm. about going out in the noonday or in the heat of the day to draw water and him basically just treating her like dirt, you know, oh, like yeah, and and her just taking it and she's she's become this hardened individual. And throughout the conversation with Jesus, you see that that heart of stone turn, you know, and so it's such a good, such a good clip. Yeah. And uh, for example, uh, this is another episode where once again, mind blown the amount of research that they invested in here uh, because this is a character that she uh, they give her a name. Okay. Right. Now in uh Luke, I mean uh, John chapter four, it's just the Samaritan woman, right? But tradition has given her a name. Fotina. Right. Fotina is is the traditional name of the Samaritan woman who was at the well. And she was martyred. There's a whole story that in right. in 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 um in uh, uh, a traditional Right. Standpoint. There's there's a whole story behind her, right? <clears throat> they stick to that. Her character's name is Fotina, and so I again, I just I just love the amount of research <laughs> and depth that sure. went into all this. So let's play this clip to kind of uh, put the end cap. <laughs> <laughs> 
on the season and on our episode. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband, then come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. Yeah. Exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank him, even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit. And the time is coming and is now here. That it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from, or what you've done. Do you believe what I'm telling you? Until the Messiah comes, it explains everything and sorts this mess out, including me. I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married, but he wasn't a good man. Hurt you, and it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? I am rejected by others. I know. But not by the Messiah. 
because you know these things. Because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon. Just the heart. You promise. I promise. This man told me everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ. <laughs> You forgot your um. <laughs> so that's such an amazing scene. Man, who's told me everything I never did. I love it. <laughs> so good. I, I, I love whenever he says uh, that I came here for you. Right. Yeah. And. and He's like, do you think I'm here in the heat of the day, in the middle of the day? Why do you think I'm here? Like, that's, this is so, uh, once again, the relationship and his love for people. And it's just like just pouring over all of this. Like, even when right. she's trying to be snide, you know, snarky and debating him and, and all of this, he's not like taking the bait. He's just calmly right and lovingly like telling her the truth that's where i mean again this this series just exceeds in its um portrayal of the um just just the humanness mm -hmm. uh, of jesus and the and the loving character of who he is and so i mean it's it's incredible and you know, the way that they do the conversation, I think, is the key in the whole thing. Yes. They, they add so much to the, the conversation between the woman in the well and, and Jesus that it, it makes it real. It yeah. makes it come alive. I like the and, little nuances, like, right. the, like you know, your, your second husband smelt of oranges on your <clears throat> wedding night. And so you yeah. can't go by the marketplace and smell oranges without the fear, the feeling of regret that you left him. Sure. That, that was just like, you know, it's just oh. like this heart wrenching, uh, like I know you, uh, like I know you right. on such an intimate level. Yeah. And oh, just great little things like that, that just make the story just pop. Yeah. And it's brilliant. So, so to sum up, if you have not watched the series, go and this this one is binge worthy. Go and watch oh, the sure. whole thing. I, I and I bought it for my parents for uh, Christmas. Oh yeah, and uh, bought them the DVDs. And my dad didn't even have a DVD player, and I was like, oh, great! I didn't even know my dad didn't didn't have a DVD player. He wow. he goes out and buys a DVD player so he can watch <laughs> this thing. Wow. And so I was like, well, was it worth it? Like, was it worth you buying a DVD player? <laughs> and my mom and dad both loved it. Yeah. They were just uh, gushing about it, actually. And wow. so, yeah, it's 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 great. Uh, I, I can't wait for for season two. 
so good. So, Dallas, if you're listening, 10 out of 10. Great job, man. Yeah. <laughs> you need to come be an, uh, a guest on yeah. Theo Nots or Theo Pop. Definitely. <laughs> All right. Should we get out of here, man? Yeah, let's do it. Let me see if I can find my... Hey, I've got them this button. time. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, we're all ready to go. All right, let's see what happens. I'm so proud of myself. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network. Well, so is Theopop. Yeah. <laughs> we use new media and social networking to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more, go to gctnetwork.com, subscribe, and stay up to date with all of our shows, including Theonauts. Visit our website at theonautspodcast.com for show notes and outlines. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. Be sure to rate us because that helps us reach a larger audience. There are several ways you can contact us and leave us feedback. Send us email to theonauts at gctnetwork.com or call us on our voicemail line, which is 972-885-7270. You can like us and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Theonauts. And if you like us and want even more Theonauts, drop us a buck or two at patreon.com slash Theonauts. Your patronage helps us in our expenses like hosting fees and equipment costs. Don't forget to tune in again and explore Theopop with us. All right, Jeremiah. Thanks for being here, brother. Thank you, David. All right, guys. Call us on our voicemail line at 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission. This is your Great Commission Transmission. At GCTNetwork.com. They're possibly cloning an army of giant Al-Qaeda guys. Uh...